But there was one when I was in the fraternity, and I'm not going to apologize for being in a fraternity. No, I really think you, you know. owe all of us <laughs> who think fraternities are bastions of privilege and rich misogyny and rape culture. Um, I think you really owe all of us an apology. And I'm going to give you now on the Apecast a 75-minute forum to apologize <laughs> for it. And then once you've apologized for it, I'm going to pick it apart point by point to tell you how it wasn't sufficient and not sincere so that then you can continue to apologize for being in a frat for pretty much most of your life. Yeah. This is Don Hall. And I'm David Himmel. And this is the Literate Apecast. David get a little saucy, so be forewarned, your sensitivity is not their problem. The Literate Apecast is for people who can handle both their liquor and their gag reflex. Well, you know, I guess the way I put it is the fresh car smell of a new city. And I was remembering, um, remembering uh, the first time when I came to Chicago. You know, because I'm not a native of, a, of Chicago, right. but I've been been in Chicago for 30 years. Can you say native? Is that offensive? You know, I don't think so. Okay. Whatever. Um, I think native means you're from that place. You're born in that place. I, look, man, I, I'm, ju- I'm just, I don't want to get in trouble. Well, you know what? I'm going to say native, and if anybody has a problem with it, they can suck my dick. You can't say the N-word, Don. Well, I don't say the N-word because... Native I, starts with N. Mm. It's a different Fucking N-word. monster. I am a monster. So All yeah, right. not native to Chicago. Go yeah, on. Yeah, not native to Chicago. Came to Chicago as a transplant. And I remember... That's offensive to people who have new hearts. You're a fucking asshole. Everybody knows it. Jesus. I own it. I wear it on a t-shirt. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Um, but no, I, I remember uh, how everything seemed new and fresh and exciting. That none of the stuff that I associate now with, you know, negative thoughts of Chicago, which is not, you know, it's not like it's a giant laundry list, but you know, the cold weather, the, 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 the sort of the parking bullshit, the fact that the L smells like piss about half the time, you know, all that kind of stuff. You know, the corrupt crime, corrupt uh, government. That was never an issue. When I first got to Chicago, it was all buildings and yeah. the lake mm-hmm. and amazing music and extraordinary theater. And, and Lincoln Yards was coming soon. <laughs> no, it wasn't. And 30 years ago, it no, wasn't. And maybe it was then. It was still right, coming yeah. soon then. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and it, it will just, be in 30 years from now. It will be in 30 years from now. Still be coming soon. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so uh, now that I'm, I'm in Vegas, you know, tell me. What are the things, because I know the newness, it's, it's the desert, it's not Chicago, it's the lights, it's yeah. an incredible art scene that, that you know, it's mm-hmm. just it's all kinds of cool shit. So what are the things about Vegas having, you've been, uh, you know, you went to college in Vegas. Yeah, I was not a native to Las Vegas. So what are, what are the things about Vegas well, that 30 years from now, if I live in Vegas 30 years from now, that I'm going to find disgusting and awful and I'm going to want to, you know... Well, the first thing is... Move back to Chicago. You're talking about like the, the, new, the, the new car smell of a new town. When I first got to Las Vegas, the first thing that I noticed was the smell of the town. And I don't... I think it just... I don't smell it anymore. When I go back there, or even like when I was living there, it just kind of became part of whatever. But near the airport, there's like this smell of jet fuel... Maybe because you drive under the airport and you drive around the airport to get through the city. It's not like O'Hare is just there. Um, 
so I don't know. It had a stinky smell. The new town had a stinky smell, okay. literal smell for me. But 30 years, I mean, Vegas changes so quickly. I go back there and I don't recognize it. Well, I mean, it's a young town. It's a very young town. When, when I it, went there. When was it founded? Uh, that I don't know off the top when of When did it become, I guess, you know, because it, it was founded earlier in the 20th century. But I think, I, well, as, I'll as tell I recall, it really didn't become Las Vegas. Like, really, the way we associate Las Vegas to, like, the late 50s, right? Well, even then, I mean, the Las Vegas we know now until 80s. Early mid eighties, okay, okay. after the mob started to leave and it became really family friendly and really blew up and it became yeah. these theme park casinos. Oh, okay, and, all right. You know, but I mean, even when I moved into an apartment in ninety nine, yeah, it was ninety nine. It was the edge of town. There was nothing. There was our apartment complex and a bunch of new construction, and then just fucking desert. Nothing there. And in the two and a half years that I lived there. The fuck, a Target Great Lana popped up and a Krispy Kreme. And it was like, it was city center at that point. It became like the worst fucking intersection in town. It just, it changes so quickly. Now, where did you live? When you, where was your apartment? Well, so I lived in a couple of places. I mean, I was out there right. for 10 years. So I lived, first year I lived in the dorms, Tropicana, Maryland on campus. Um, and then I moved to Flamingo and, uh, the fuck was it? Uh, Flamingo and Eastern. Um, and then I moved to... Uh, Eastern and Silverado Ranch, which was the edge of town at that point. Okay. And then I moved to Summerlin, and then I moved back to the Silverado Ranch area, and like an, another new, like a few blocks over, new construction, and then it was just edge of desert, and then within like four months, tons of shit was there again. Yeah. And then I moved to Henderson, where it was already established. No, yeah, Henderson. So, and, and, and tell me if I'm I'm correct, because I'm I'm when I'm trying to explain it to people from Chicago, where we're at. Um, cause you know, they've got names for these. I, I don't even know if I, you're in East Las Vegas. Yeah. We're, we're definitely in East Las Vegas. Northeast end of town. Yeah. Um, but when it's like, is Henderson a good, if I say Henderson is like the Evanston of Las Vegas, does that sound right? Yeah. I mean, you know, it's more gated communities. Summerlin is like Evanston cause it's North. Well, I mean, I'm, think, I'm not talking about the north. I'm talking about like yes. it's mostly sure. white. It's it's yeah, gated communities. Yes. There's a lot more money in it. The houses are all much newer, kind of thing. You know, it feels like I mean, that's Henderson, what it, old Henderson is much old. So there's old Henderson and yeah. newer Henderson. But yeah. yeah, so the the south southern western part of Henderson is much newer. Okay, and then yeah. and then I, you know I was trying to explain uh, that like Fremont Street in old Las Vegas is much more like Logan Square. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, yeah, it's got that kind of feel. They're they're hard to compare, but yes, yeah, but yeah. I mean, if yeah. I'm going to make a comparison, that's yes. is, is just trying to trying to say. So, in terms of that, how do you define? How would you define in a Chicago neighborhood sort of sense uh, where we're at? Oh, jeez. Um, I'll tell you what it feels like. Okay, but yeah. What does it feel like? I mean, I'm it, trying to think. It of, feels like Edgewater. Yeah, okay, yes. You know, it's got that kind of feel, you know? It's yeah, I would not say Edgewater or... Um, Rogers Park. Um, even, what is it? Um, Chicago Avenue and... Noble Square? Noble Square, thank you. Yeah, yeah Noble Square. Yeah, it's kind of... Yeah. Okay, so it's got kind of that I'd say Noble Square feel. is yeah. probably... That's kind of what, yeah. what it feels like. Yeah. So uh, so that's, you know, it's like I'm trying to explain this to me. Not that anybody from Chicago really gives a shit, but it's just a way to kind of reference... Yeah. This is kind of where we're at. Yes. Um... But uh, yeah, it's 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 fascinating on 
I don't even know, so many, it's been so goddamn long since I've been someplace where everything is effectively new. Right. You know, because I've been to Las Vegas a you know, number of times, but you know, when I was at lot, most of the time I've been to Las Vegas, it's just the strip. You know, it's yeah. like, and that's the cool thing about and it's Las way Vegas bigger than is that. that it's so much bigger. Yeah. And you, unless you work on the strip, the strip just becomes another bad intersection. It's Navy Pier. Yeah, it's just a bigger Navy Pier. Yeah. It's, it's it's all the lights, all the glitz, the inflated prices, the the fun. The oh, look at the fun for the tourists. But there's a whole. I mean, there's a whole fucking city. I mean, it's granted, it's not the what three million plus right. of Chicago. There's about seven hundred fifty thousand in yeah. Las Vegas proper, but it's still, you know, it's it's there's a lot of cool stuff. I mean, we're we're forty five minutes from Hoover Dam. You're forty five minutes from Hoover Dam and Lake Mead. You're another forty five minutes to an hour from Mount Charleston. Yeah, I mean, it's that's the coolest thing about Las Vegas is ge- where it's located geographically. Yeah, because you're two hours. To the Grand Canyon. Yeah. You're three hours to LA. You're four hours to San Diego. Yeah. You know, you're four hours to Mexico. Yeah. And the flights are super cheap. Flights are always cheap. You know. I mean, Vegas is a really cool place to be. Yeah. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. I I, I make an assumption, and I did a little bit of reading on it, but I don't know if I've got this right. Is the reason that the flights are so cheap to and from Las Vegas is that the casinos have made deals with the airlines? I don't know. I don't know, but it's it's significantly cheaper than almost any place I've ever seen. Yeah. Yeah. And that was the great thing about living there is that going to and from Chicago, yeah. coming home, or going back home, yeah, was always affordable. Yeah, you exactly. Know? I mean, that's one of the things Dana and I were talking about is like you know because I know we're gonna. She's got a little bit more like I think she wants she wants to give a little bit more space um, before she comes back to Chicago. Yeah. You know, because she keeps talking about when I finally come back. I want to see how much shit has changed. Well, Chicago doesn't change as fast no. as, you know, I mean, that's that's maybe a year or two. I'm probably coming back sooner than that. I mean, yeah. part of it's because of work and, and then, uh, you know, your birthday's in May and, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I really like the, the it's just, just so many things I like about it. All that new, like, uh, it's it, it, when Dana, when Dana, and basically the way it worked out was uh, the guy we bought the house with, Matthew, and his roommate, Kelly, um, Matthew flew out there, um, or flew out here, um, and, uh, and got the house closed. And then Dana and Kelly took the cats and Matthew's, uh, Toyota truck and drove. They went to my mom's house, you know, um, in Gallup, New Mexico. Yeah. Well, that, that was the thing is they didn't even have any idea of how to get there. Um, because they hadn't driven there, and so I, I mapped oh, them West out. Young ladies. Well, that's the thing yeah. is, I'm in the, it's faster if you go through Denver, but it's fucking winter. And if you've ever driven in the fucking Rocky Mountains, oh, when I was coming, it's the home, worst. I was driving home f- for the summer, and I drove. It was middle of May, and I was driving through the, the Rockies, and I got caught in a horrible snowstorm. Yeah, and there's not guardrails Mm-mm. on on every turn, and visibility was my windshield wipers. Yeah, and I realized like I could fall off the mountain. Well, that was when I, this this is it. Like I might die. When I made and I when came it, to terms with that, <laughs> I followed the same route that I made for Dana, which was down through Missouri, Kansas, Oklahoma mm-hmm. to Amarillo. Yep. And then they stopped and got a hotel in Amarillo. I mean, so they went to they went to my mom's house in Marion, Kansas, and then went to Amarillo, spent the night. Then they went to Gallup, New Mexico, and spent two nights. Mm-hmm. Um, and then came to Vegas. Yeah. And that was I'm I'm going to do it in one shot. I. Are you going to stop at your parents? No, no. Okay. Yeah, because it'll be 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock in the morning. Um, yeah. But, 
the faster route. And I and, and Dana asked why why not through Denver? And I went, man, I've I've driven in the Rocky Mountains, and what it is is it's five to six hours straight driving on a highway with no guardrails. And as you look out your window, if you are so bold as to look out your driver's side window, yeah. there's a 750 foot drop yeah. at every turn. And it's not straight, it's winding yeah. and around and up and down. And if you're driving and you know, it's been 20 hours cause you know, 20 hours on the road, fuck off. You're going to yeah. die. Yeah. You're going to die. And well, I mean, it is, it's, beautiful it's beautiful but it's fucking right. scary if, and if you are so vigilant ice, you're yeah. whole you're, you're oh, white yeah. knuckling it yeah. for five or six hours man because yeah. it's not like oh and then there's a rest stop right yeah, you're <laughs> on the fucking mountains there's yeah. no goddamn rest stop you are five hours of just killing yourself yeah. and maybe there'll be a gas station somewhere yeah Oh, Jesus Christ, not for all the money in the world. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a drive worth taking through the Rockies. It's gorgeous. Yeah, but do yeah. it, but do it in the summer. Do it, yeah. Do it in the summer. A little safer. Summer, fall, not spring, right. because then it's a lot of mud and a lot of rain. And that's where I fucked up. But. Yeah, spring is terrible in the yeah. Rockies, and then winter, forget about it. Just, yeah. just, just, just commit to anybody you go with being your meal a la the Donner Party, because that's the best you got. Right. You know, it's, it's, it's crazy. But, but it's, yeah. It's, yeah, I mean, you've got... So much opportunity in Las Vegas because it is a new town for you and it's still a new town for it. Yeah. It's constantly changing. It's changing so fast in all the different parts of town. It continues to grow. I mean, I flew over, I flew over Las Vegas when I was going to LA a couple weekends ago yeah. and I'm looking down and I, you know, I know the, the landscape of Las Vegas so well. And even I'll see like, oh, that subdivision, you these know, that, huge developments. That yeah. I was there, there's a lot of property still being so developed. so much Emptiness, yeah, and opportunity for, the, and there, it's gonna keep growing. Yeah, it's just it's going to. Well, it has to. I mean, when you think about it, is and I always think this is. I always make the joke that uh, if you really, if you really feel like you're confined in a city, go to Wyoming because there's like seven people yeah. in all of Wyoming. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. there are areas out west, not like LA where it's just people on top of each other, mm -hmm. but areas where there's just space that hasn't been touched by man and, yet. and i'm telling you it's yeah. been a long time in my i mean like i said i've been here 30 years it's been a long time since i've had this much space to just kind of be yeah. I, I i'm you know i find it relaxing i find and, it and way again because of what las vegas is and where it is if you start to feel crowded 30 minutes away is it's nothingness nothing. yeah i mean the loneliest highway is in Nevada. Yeah. You know, Highway uh, 95. Yep. You know, you just drive north and it gets fucking, you go at night. It's and desolate, man. It's amazing. It's awesome. And I had several, so many nights where I would just go out there and park the car on the side of the road and nobody would fucking drive by for hours. Yeah. And I would just lay on my hood and just look at the fucking sky. Yeah. And just, just be. You know, well, if you don't hear from me, uh, maybe Dana took me out there and buried me in a shallow grave. Yes, yeah. that's where you do that. She should bring a couple shovels because it's hard dirt. Well, it's hard dirt, but yeah. that's why it's a shallow grave. Yeah. You know, and then the coyotes will pick you apart and yeah. the scorpions will crawl up in my skull. And yeah, I mean, I've Call got scorpions in my skull anyway, I think, but you know, whatever, <laughs> whatever. All right. What do you know about, uh, what do you know about the National Enquirer versus Jeff Bezos? What do you know about it? They published pictures of him fucking somebody who wasn't his wife. No. Okay, they were going to? Not specifically. Jeff All right. Bezos has a huge dick. No. Okay. Uh, let, me I, give you yeah. the, the, let me give you the gist. He wrote a blog, uh, a blog post on Medium 
and kind of outlined it. And he had the receipts. I mean, he had uh, he had all the emails that he published, the confidential emails. What basically happened was um, the Washington Post, Jeff Bezos owns it, was investigating um, the National Enquirer's specifically, you know, their their involvement in the Russia stuff. Oh, you know, and 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 like and and certain printing certain things and placing certain things for political reasons, really mm-hmm. more specifically yeah. that, and uh, they didn't want him to do that, so they tried to blackmail him, and what they they sent him a letter that said we've got and they they listed it we've got pictures of you uh, sending a dick pic. I mean, that's probably the most salacious thing. But then some of the pictures they list are just like you standing in a mirror. Here's you with your mistress. You know, it's, and it's all basically like we're going to publish these embarrassing pictures of you, you know, basically going out on, on your wife. Yeah. You know, he's now divorced from. Yeah. And uh, we're going to do that unless you openly admit that there was no political reasons for us doing this. And I mean, it's, it is blatantly extortion. It is we're going to fucking embarrass you if you don't do what we say, if you don't lay off of us. Not and what I love about what Jeff Bezos did was, he I'm sure he sat and thought, I mean, this is the thing, is you got to know if the National Enquirer did to the richest man on the fucking planet, they've yeah. done it to the less rich. Right. So, I mean, the number of people they've probably extorted and got away well, with it. It's the National Enquirer. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is the yeah, red this, and yeah, 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 exactly. Is, but he just basically said, Go fuck yourself. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm, I'm ratting you out. Look what you did. And I'm not going to go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead and publish my shit because guess what? I would rather be embarrassed by those pictures than have you fucking lord over me with your bullshit. Yeah. I mean, and I love that. And then he really got online. He really like was like this incredible, uh, you know, PR move for journalism in the Washington Post specifically and you know, how proud he is of it and how he's not going to back down. And it was like, you know, that's fucking cool. And I thought about in this age of public shaming, I mean, that, and that's what really got me was they were basically threatening to publicly shame him right. and embarrass him, humiliate him in a country where humiliation is the worst thing that can happen. Yeah. Um, and I think Bezos handled it the way everybody should handle that, which is go fuck yourself. Yeah. Knock, knock yourself out, you know? I mean, you got pictures well, of me doing this. Fuck off. That's between him and his ex-wife and this mistress. That's not who... Keep... That's their shit. Like, fuck it. I, yeah, I cheated on my wife. I'm fucking divorced. That yeah. Maybe part of the reason. Yeah, yeah, you know, probably the reason. Work out. Yeah. Like, fuck it. Yeah, so I, and I don't know about the Jeff Bezos stuff because I'm not following it because... You don't care. I don't fucking care about Jeff Bezos. No. Or the National Enquirer. Or whatever, it's yeah, it. whatever. I don't yeah, give a goddamn. Well, that's the thing is, it's not that. That's the thing is, when I read it, I was fascinated mainly because nobody does this. Yeah, I mean, you think about all the the, the potential blackmail. You know, especially like when you're looking at uh, at Alexandra um, Ocasio Cortez, mm-hmm. she's really lining things out in ways that are really easy to understand um, how corrupt yeah. Washington is. Now you add that to the corporate lobbying and given the fact that most of our politicians and, and for that matter, our, our celebrities are driven, their, their bread and butter is that trust, is that sort of an unimpeachable thing. And yeah. that, you know, all you got to do is say, I'm going to publish this shit that I find because everybody's got shit you're going to find. Right. Everybody does. 
Um, and I just love the fact that he went, you know what? Fuck you. Yeah. I started Amazon in a garage. You know, I delivered shit myself for the first shipments. And now it's the most, it's the largest, most populated, most ex- wealthy company on the planet. And in a way, Jeff and, Bezos is too big to fail. And, 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 but, but what I, and, and, and so, yeah, he's white, he's male, and he's the richest man in the world. Like, he even can if afford he to, to say fuck you. Even if he were to step down as yeah, CEO he's still of more, Amazon he's and, still and sell off the, the Washington Post world. and never earn another dollar yes. again, he'd still have all the money that he would ever and, need. And, but that Amazon aside... Amazon would continue. The Washington yeah, Post would continue. That aside, I think um, it's very instructive. And I think on even on the lowest levels of society, that is a really effective and interesting way to handle that threat of public shame yeah. and yeah you know, we talked about it a little bit last week is you know the idea of just owning up to your shit not apologizing for it i mean he didn't go gosh i'm so sorry that i fucked around on my marriage because that has nothing to he do with it he that. doesn't well but the thing is that's what they people want people want our public figures to apologize to us as if right. they somehow belong to us so we if anything he needs to apologize to his ex-wife but yeah he doesn't, which, I, I don't which know is entirely up to him it kind of goes yeah. back to the louis ck thing is the only five people he needs to apologize to are those five women that's yeah. it yeah the rest of the fucking world can go fuck themselves it's not yeah. your goddamn business right if you don't like him don't go if you don't like amazon if you don't like jeff bezos uh sending a dick pic or you find his dick like questionable <laughs> or whatever i don't give a shit yeah. um then, then don't buy Amazon, which yeah, is because, not going to happen. Right. But here's the thing. There are other ways to buy the things you need than on Amazon. So yeah. if you hate it that much, take a stand. Well, it's the, it's the, to know, me, it's the hypocrisy, of the, shopping. the hypocrisy of the virtue signalers is, is that it's like, oh, Starbucks, uh, you know, a, manage, a manager of a Starbucks franchise basically told two black men they couldn't use the bathroom and called the police on them. Oh my God! A nationwide boycott of Starbucks. Do you know how much money and not Starbucks? Not just that single Starbucks. No, all store. of yeah. all of Starbucks. Do you know how much Starbucks money? How much they lost over that big boycott? Not enough to make a difference. Zero, yeah. nothing. Because nobody fucking actually. They said boycott Star. Nobody actually that actually drinks Starbucks coffee. Right. Fucking boycotted yeah, Starbucks. If you want to boycott Starbucks, do it because their coffee shit. I love their coffee. I think it tastes burned. I, but I like burnt. it burnt. I like it burnt. But what else—it's it, the thing about it is like, it's like, oh, the NFL—they didn't like Colin Kaepernick. I'm gonna make a stand. Really? Did you watch the fucking Super Bowl? Because you did. You fucking hypocritical right. piece of shit. Yeah. That's what drives me nuts. What I love about Jeff Bezos is he just refused to apologize to the nation. Yeah. He said. They're trying to blackmail me, and I'm not going to let it happen. And the way I'm going to not let it happen is I'm going to shine a light on this shit, and I'm going to show you what they're doing. Yeah. And it will effectively end the National Enquirer's ability to do that to people. But it also says, if you are afraid of your past, mm-hmm. either make amends or tell the world to go fuck themselves because it's not their business. And make amends with the people that you need to make you amends need, yeah, with. Yeah, but you don't need to make amends it's to not the us. entire fucking country or the world. Yeah. That's not their business. It's not, I mean, even the governor of Virginia, which we talked about last week, you know, you said that he doesn't need to apologize. I said that he, he should apologize, but then there's more to it that he has to do. But, but he should apologize to... That's the thing. Like that offend, but that offends, you know... Black culture and and the idea of moving forward away from the horrible racism that we had before and that and we, we still, still have, have. 
And he did things that. But who do you apologize for? All black people? I, I don't know. You know, and who does Jeff Bezos know. apologize well, but to that's all the thing. wives? That's the thing. Is it you know the you know? governor of Virginia offended a group of people and an an, an American idea of you know post racism, which doesn't exist but when he wasn't idea. in office, right? When he was a fucking but medical still, student, like apologize for that. But Jeff Bezos doesn't didn't offend didn't do anything that's offensive to anybody. Well, the thing is, if, they, if they had released those, those things, if they'd released these pictures, everybody did the same thing to Anthony Weiner. They did to Anthony Weiner. Oh, dick pics. What a piece of skeeve. Now, the problem with Anthony Weiner is he is kind of a skeeve. It's yeah. not like he was, he was, he was skeeving and out. She, the girl at the, like the ultimate, cause he did it like four times. That like, was he the didn't problem. Fucking he, learn. That was the problem. Well, Stop it's not that he didn't learn. He was a dick. He was addicted to that shit. And he was, the last girl that was like, yeah, I was undoing was like 16 or yeah, something. Yeah. Yeah. That, that thing is you know, weird. So, dude. But the thing about it is if, if I, you know, I go back to it. That's what I love about Jeff Bezos yeah. is he just said, I'm not going to be ashamed of the shit. I own the shit that I did. It's none of your fucking business, right. so go fuck yourself. Right. And by the way, here's a dash button for your fucking Amazon. Yeah. And you're going to use it. Whether yep. whether I fucked somebody or sent a dick pic or not, you're still going to use it. Yeah. And I think you just, I just think there's a certain amount of, I guess that's, I wrote not too long ago, wrote a piece about confidence being sort of a, an illusion that mm-hmm. has benefits in the real world. Yeah. Or a delusion, that's what it is. And that's what I believe. Everybody's like, oh, I hope I have the confidence of a mediocre white man. You know what? Confidence has nothing to do with your race. Confidence has nothing to do with your gender. Confidence is a game you play with yourself and you convince yourself. And part of that confidence is saying, I don't care on some fundamental level what everybody else thinks of me. And if if you can manage to figure out that, if you can manage to not be worried so much about humiliating yourself, if you can manage to just go, you know what, I have enough of a sense of humor about who I am in the world and the knowledge that it doesn't matter who you are, you're a fuck up somewhere in your life. Yeah. Everybody is. Yep. And that's what I like. I guess I, I just, I go back to the Jeff Bezos thing and I went, that, I, you know, I, it's rare that a multi-billionaire um, makes me smile in a way that I, that was inspirational. Yeah. But yeah, it was fucking inspirational. I, I, I really liked the way he handled it. And I went, fucking A, I wish I'd known that five years ago. You know, yeah. and I was like, that's a really good lesson that I think in this day and age we need to learn. Yeah. Is it, like, fuck you. I don't care what you think. Boycott me. Fine. Yeah. Whatever. You know, I got to do what I got to do. When I was in college and I was writing for the school paper, and I think we've talked about about this before, like there were several times where I would get called out. People would get pissed because of something I wrote and they sure. disagreed with it and whatever. But there was one when I was in the fraternity and I'm not going to apologize for being in a fraternity. No, I really think you, you know. owe all of us <laughs> who think fraternities are bastions of privilege and rich misogyny and rape culture. Um, I think you really owe all of us an apology. And I'm going to give you now on the Apecast a 75 minute forum to apologize <laughs> for it. And then once you've apologized for it, I'm going to pick it apart point by point to tell you how it wasn't sufficient and not sincere so that then you can continue to apologize for being in a frat for pretty much most of your life. Yeah. Well, what, and you just called it a frat. One of the arguments that people would make is, would you call don't call it a fraternity, don't call a fraternity a frat. Would you call your country a cunt? And a friend of mine Yeah, said I would that. actually. Well, so a friend of mine was asked that. He was in the fraternity. And he was talking to one, me and one of my brothers, and he said frat something. And my brother goes, 
don't call it a frat. Would you call your country a cunt? And my buddy goes, I would if it was spelled that way. <laughs> nice. Well like, played. Fucking well, played. well done. Yeah. 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 Well, so I wrote this piece about, um, this is in the school paper about the Rokai, which is, I'm going to try and simplify this as best I can. All right. The sorority system, they have this Rokai, which like helps the girls pick which sorority they're going to go to. It's just, it's, it just, it, it, it felt weird to me. So I wrote this an expose about its flaws and you know, 90% of the sorority, you know, the, the, the sororities there, the, the women in the sororities were pissed at me about it because I mm. called them out on it. Wrong or right, whatever, they were pissed. They weren't just pissed at me, they were pissed at my fraternity. And like, they were fucking like, I would go into the student union and like there'd be Rokai's fucking bawling out brothers of mine in, the, in Beta Theta Pi. And it's like, they didn't fucking write this. So I, I took this t-shirt and I wrote, my name is David Himmel, not Beta Theta Pi. Like, leave those, fucking those, my virgin fucking limp student senator fucking dork brothers didn't fucking do anything. If you're fucking pissed about it, come at me. Did they have t-shirts that said that? No. Okay. They should have. They should have said, his say, name is David Himmel, not Beta Theta no, Pi. No, no, they should have shirts that I'm the fucking dork brothers, you know, whatever happens. Well, and that's the thing. Like, when people say, like, you're in a fraternity, I go, hang on. My fraternity was a bunch of student senator virgins we were fucking dorks. Like, we were not the fucking SAE, rapey, fucking, oh, you know, frat guys, black-facing and doing all this shit. However, my, my chapter, I, I started to go inactive, and, and I never got into the... Like, I never wore my letters. But I admit never, you guys did a yellow face night, right? You had a party oh, where you were all Asian? Yeah, we taped our eyes back. And okay, like, yeah. I knew that. I knew Jesus. that about you. No, fucking, we did not fucking do no. that. But here's what we did do. So this is actually... <laughs> So I was inactive because, like, you know, you grow out of it. It's like I've got other sh- Like I was graduating. I was working at the radio station. Some people don't need... grow out of it. Right. And I think that that's weird. I think it's very weird. It's but, like still wearing. It's like it's like graduating high school and 20 years later still showing up to the football games with your high school letter jacket. It's like, what kind of fucking loser are you yeah. that you haven't moved past this moment of glory? And now, full disclosure, I am currently wearing a I know. sweatshirt from the summer camp that I grew up at. I know. I'm still involved with it. I know when I talk about it, like with camp friends, Katie's like, you know, her eyes fucking glaze over. And But I don't do it in this like, camp was the best thing Does ever. Does that happen like, often to you in your, where her eyes glaze over? Her eyes are, I'm concerned she has cataracts. Okay. Cause like, yeah, cause Dana, <laughs> Dana doesn't glaze. She just walks away. When she's bored oh. with something I have to say, she just walks out of the room while I'm talking. Yeah. Katie doesn't walk out of the room. She just like, yeah. she like almost goes comatose. It's but you really, guys have been married how long? Almost three years. Yeah, two and a half years. Okay. We've been so together what, six, seven when, years. Once yeah. you get to four years, she'll just yeah. walk out of the fucking room. Maybe, yeah. give a shit. Yeah, she's know? like, I'm going fucking shopping. Whatever. Bye. Like, yeah. Not that's even fine. shopping. Like, I, she didn't have anything to do. Yeah, she she wants to get go. the fuck yeah. away from my and I get it. maw. Yeah, I get it. I'm like, okay, cool. Yeah. I've, I've gone on too long. Thank you for the edit. I appreciate that. Um, so, yeah. So, I got a call from one of the guys. He's like, Himmel, you got to come to the house tonight. Uh... This company called us and they're going to throw a fucking huge party at the house. They're bringing beer and they're bringing girls. It's going to be fucking awesome. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not coming. Um, and that sounds suspect. Who is this company? Like, I don't know, but they're fucking bringing girls and beer. <sighs> that's that's it's like weird. bachelor party. Yeah. Girls! Yeah. Oh, and I God, also took I fucking issue guys. with like I the hated those guys in college. I fraternity hated those guys parties in high that school. would charge guys to come in that weren't. 
members mm-hmm. of the fraternity, but would let girls come in. I'm like, that's a problem, because you're like luring women in to and this they, weird party. And making dudes pay to to be rapey. Yeah, I had a, and I got fucking balled out in several fraternity meetings because I would not stand for that. That's I thought that bullshit. Was fucked yeah. up. It was fucking yeah. creepy and yeah. Anyway, so I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to this thing. Here's what that thing was. This is in 2001 ish. Okay. The company that came to, to use the house, brought beer and women was a company called fuckfest.com, which was like the early porn sites. Oh, awesome. So they came. That's with, horrifying. And they, they brought girls and beer, but they also brought guys to fuck the girls. With giant cocks. With giant cocks on the couches and the yeah. beds and on the fucking kitchen counter and everything. And then they filmed it. So like our guys weren't flirting with the girls or anything like that. They were it, watching them fuck. They were watching them fuck. And it's on, it was on, I don't know if it's still online. Somebody could find it, I'm sure. But I remember it, get, it getting out and I watched it, like just the trailer of it. And like there are my brothers and they're fucking letters, drinking beer. And of course they got kicked off campus. And of then they course. got the charter yanked by a national fraternity because what, are you guys fucking stupid? That's the dumbest thing I you ever heard in my life. So oh, it's like, it's yeah, so dumb. he's fucking idiots. The worst thing we ever did, because I wasn't in a fraternity, I was, we were in the dorms and then I got an apartment, but the worst thing we ever ended up doing was we would we would we would do beer drinking games with uh, Black Label. Uh huh. Remember Black Label? It's the worst like fucking Johnny Walker. Black no, label? Black Label was oh, no. a beer. It was oh, the I don't cheapest. Know this. Yeah. You could get a case of Black Label for three bucks in Arkansas in those days. I nice. mean, it was the okay. shittiest fucking beer. It's like worse than Natural Light. It's like Schaefer Light, but worse. Oh, it God. was the worst beer you could buy, but and it I was like super beer, cheap. And yeah. if the only reason you were going to drink is to just get shit faced and play beer drinking games, yeah. that's what. And we would just get in the dorm and we would just drink until we couldn't see, you know. And then, and then inevitably, I mean, I remember once. Uh, it's the worst thing I think it is. Is well, one one time I I got arrested for uh, running naked in the Dillon's parking lot, going whoop whoop, because yeah. I was so drunk yeah. and I woke up the next morning naked in a jail cell in Fayetteville, <laughs> um, and and I didn't know how I got there, and so that was a little. Uh, they that didn't was, even like find clothes for you. They no, just, they just threw me in the cell. You um, and all I had was a pair of tennis shoes on. <laughs> And uh, and I woke up and I was like, what the fuck? And I was so hungover, and I had no idea. And it, I mean, it didn't take me long. Yeah. But I didn't really know how I ended up in the jail cell with nothing but tennis shoes on. <laughs> so when they let me out, and you know, they let me out, they they explained that that they picked me up in a Dylan's parking lot, which is like a, a jewel, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's a grocery store. Um, oh, Dylan's is a. I thought it was Dylan's is a. Uh, uh, Fucking like a JC Penny. Oh no no, it's, it's okay. like it's like a supermarket, okay. just just food. Um, but yeah, that they found me in the Dylan's parking lot, which was not too far from our apartment. Um, just running around, not damaging anything. I wasn't there was no property damage. I was just like letting free willy free and just running naked and just screaming whoop whoop whoop. Yeah, and you know the cops picked me up and yeah. put me in the car and took me and threw me in a jail cell because they I didn't have any ID. Yeah. I didn't they didn't you know I was too drunk to tell them where I lived. I didn't even have my keys. I had nothing. I had a pair of shoes. That's all I had. Yeah. You know, so they put me in jail. Like, so that's the worst thing I can say in my college days that if you want to go, oh, look at this horrible person, that's the best I got is I ran naked in, in the middle of the night. I drunk. used to pull my nuts out a lot. The whole sad oh, dumb I, thing which I we did talked that, about. Yeah. Dude, I used to pull my nuts out 
all through theater. I mean, I did that until I was probably in my eh, late 30s. Yeah. Because it's just yeah. funny. It is funny. It wasn't sexual. It was just yeah. nothing. You know, it, it, there was just a part of me that there, there are a couple of precepts of comedy that I think are just absolutely unimpeachable. Number one, nothing is funnier than a white guy's naked ass. It's just goofy looking. Yep. You know, it's just goofy looking. A white guy's naked ass is just funny. Unless you're like super sad, unless you're Chris Hemsworth. Right. Then it's not funny. Then it's like, what the fuck are those muffins doing? <laughs> but anybody else is, it's just funny. Yes. Yeah. Um, balls are unsightly and weird. Yep. And because they're unsightly and weird, there's nothing sexy about a ball sack. Right. I mean, sorry. You, you could You could assign all the sexuality you want to it. A ball sack is just an ugly wrinkly bag of yeah, I mean, it's yeah. like it's like it's like you've got Clint Eastwood attached to your scrotum Joe, it's just Jesus, this wrinkly yeah. fucking old thing with some hair <laughs> and that's just funny to, to wave yeah. around because it's just goofy and quite frankly unless you've got like a, a huge intimidating dick mm-hmm. dicks are goofy looking too yeah I mean, a little mushroom cap on a stock it's just the weirdest thing I ever saw there is a picture somewhere and I have one we were at a friend's apartment <laughs> at a friend's apartment and we were all drinking, and I, I went into to her closet, and I stripped down naked, and I grabbed a sock and put it over my dong, and then, and like a cowboy hat. Yeah. I stepped out, and everyone's like, what the fuck? And it was funny. Yeah. And then I went back in and put my clothes yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You, you get the laugh. I did get busted for, I was drinking, and went to the dorms, and there was like this party happening on one of the balconies, and I mooned the party, and I got busted for it for indecent exposure. There you go, yeah. And I like wasn't allowed on campus or something. I don't, I don't what, know what you know, it was. You know, whatever, yeah. Like, but that's kind of it. I, I did mean, not participate in fuck fe- or collegefuckfest.com. Whatever the thank fuck that God. was. You know? Thank God you didn't. I just knew. And I'm, I'm still I'm looking kind of that proud up. of myself for that. For I'm like looking that recognizing. up. Well, Sweeney, Sweeney probably has uh, oh, screen Sweeney caps. Will find it. Yeah. Screen caps for it. Yeah. Yeah. He'll, he'll find it. If, if he, he hears this, he's going to get screen caps. Yeah. And, then, and then he's going to send you a letter that says, you need to publish me more often and exclusively, or I'm going to. And I will say, write yeah. more, motherfucker. They, they, exactly. You know, you know. That, that's, that's the deal. All right, Simeon cohort, here's Don and David with the six things you should do for the week. Okay, so my first thing is a listen. Listen to a podcast that's called Car Con Carne with James Van Osdell. It's, uh, it's a great podcast. He interviews um, artists and musicians and writers and just interesting people around town um, in a car, and they eat. They like they go to the, this, some neighborhood, and they find some restaurant, and they just eat, and they talk about the stuff, and it's just it's interesting, and... He's a really good host and gets really good guests, and give it a listen. All right, mine's a listen as well, but for a completely different reason. Because um, it's shit. It is actually <laughs> is it shit, okay? yes. It is, uh, this podcast, it's called Call Her Daddy. Oh, God. It, it, I, in my opinion, it, it sets the feminist movement, movement back like 50 fucking years. This is like, I mean, if you don't already hate white millennial women, if you haven't found <laughs> enough reasons to fucking hate white millennial women listen to woke this podcast no 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 not just, woke at all oh, okay just white millennial women. okay listen to this fucking podcast and i guarantee you your deal will be sealed oh, you will God. hate them it is called call her daddy um it's follow along vlogger vlogger um alexandria cooper and her best friend sophia franklin it is like listening to the most impressed with rich girl assholes mm. you've ever heard. And there's, you know, talk about just like shock therapy and shock about, oh, they're just so funny as they talk about anal beads. I mean, they're just, <laughs> they're just a couple. I, 
I forced myself to listen to it. It's like the girl version of the Apecast. We haven't talked about anal beads yet. Oh, shit. Yeah. It is. Well, except we're, well, you're rich, but I'm not. Well, you used to be. I, yeah. <laughs> until I moved out. Until, yeah. yeah, until you, until you, uh, until you uh, disavowed the fur industry. Right. You know, um, you know but... Uh, <laughs> Wow, I hadn't thought about it. Maybe I may have to listen to Caller Daddy again. But I think, I mean, I haven't listened to this. Maybe that's why people hate middle aged white men because they listen to the Apecast. But I mean, having not listened to this, what did it call call me? Call Call her her daddy. Daddy. It's terrible. We're sort of aware of how, of whatever privilege we have and how awful. We might be sometimes. It sounds like they're not. They're not. Maybe they're aware. Maybe we have but a little self awareness. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know. I just I, there you go. I don't know. All right. Yeah. Uh, so my second thing is save the date for Untapped, which supports Gilda's Club Chicago. It's March seventh. It's at Goose Island Barrel House, uh, which is a really cool place. Um, there's food from uh, the Goat Group, which is Stephanie Izzard's mm-hmm. thing. So if you're into food, there you go. Um, Goose Craft Beers. It's a it's a really great event. Uh, drinking, eating, and you know that Goose is on, owned by Anheuser Busch, so it's not really craft anymore. I know. Yeah, that's just some bad branding. It, yeah, but I have to say it because it's know. part of the thing. But saying. it's still it's it is good beer and it's a really cool place. And um, yeah, March seventh, Untapped Gilda's Club Chicago. All right, Washington Post. My second thing is Washington Post. Read. This is a flip side from hating white millennial women. Um, it is in Washington Post by Amy Britton and Mara Judkus. It is uh, an article entitled, The Man Who Attacked Me Works in Your Kitchen. Victim of Serial Groper Took Justice Into Her Own Hands. It is a really, yeah. it's a really fascinating story about, basically about a woman who was almost raped. Um, and then the guy, I mean, he assaulted her and then and she reports him. She does what she's supposed to do. Yeah. And the guy gets 10 days, who only serves two days. And, he, and, and like, that's a sentence, 10 days in jail? Yeah. And, uh, Jesus. And, and, then, and then all of a sudden, like, she's living, he's a chef. Mm-hmm. So he keeps getting, you know, so every time she goes to like one of the hot spots with her friends, she's eating food made by this motherfucker. God damn. And he had a history of doing this. It's, it's, it's really interesting. And what it, it points out two things is how fucking broken our system is. In terms of that specific, I'm reporting, you know, this quantifiable and provable sexual assault. Yeah. The system completely failing her and her just saying, fuck you. I will not let this rest until this gets done. Yeah. She's, I, 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 she's quite impressive. Her name is uh, Lauren Clark. Okay. And... Uh, Basically, she was assaulted while running in Northwest Washington in 2013. And then all of a sudden, after going through the process, she began seeing her attacker near her home, near the salon where she worked, and in restaurants. And she just wouldn't put up with it. It's a really great read. Great read. And then my third thing to do is, it's a watch, a see, a do. Um, See this this place, Swamp Baby, at Greenhouse Theater. Rory Zacker's in it. Rory Zacker's in it. Um, It runs... Through, I think, March 3rd, maybe. Um, here's, here's the thing. The reader gave it a good review. If the reader gives it a good review, it's got to be good, because the reader really doesn't like anything. So there's that. Katie and I went and saw it last weekend, and it's good. It's okay. dark. What's it about? Without giving away any spoilers. It's, so this, this child is born with green skin, and 
I'm not sure exactly what... Oh, it takes place in like 1904. And Rory's character, he's a former... He came from wealthy plantation owners and he's trying to get back in society. Okay. And he's using this this green, like, reptilian girl, like a freak show. Like, he's taking her around. Okay. And so he's just trying to get, like, and, and go to the 1904 World's Fair with her. And, like, he's... There he is. And he's, he's back He's like up. a P.T. Barnum kind of yes, character. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Um, and it's dark and shit unfolds and it's, it's really, it's well-written. The acting is incredible. And I'll say this about Rory. It got to a point where I forgot that I was watching my friend. Rory so Zachary. you mean, it, despite the fact that he was Tony in Tony and Tina's wedding, which <laughs> is, let's put it a giant racist joke made dinner theater <laughs> yes. that beside, aside from that, he's actually a good actor too. He is. And I've never seen him in Real, th- I saw him in Tony, Tony and Tina. Yeah, which is like done a ton of. Yeah, theater. which is not like most of his stuff theater. is TV and film. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, he was it was great. All right, it was great. So yeah, definitely see Swamp Baby. It's, it's Swamp Baby, and it's relatable to what's happening, like you know, modern times of how we look at the strange and yeah. people of that are different than us and mixed the race other. and yeah. you know the other. Yes, yeah. So yeah, I'm, I've got to watch as well. Um, have you seen Brexit: The Uncivil War with Benedict Cumberbatch? Half the first episode, then I fell asleep, and I've not gone back to it yet. It's not an episode. This is a, a movie. Oh, the movie, then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I loved it. Um, it's really interesting. It's very well done. Um, but really, it, it's one of the things that, you know, I know what Brexit is. Yeah. But this is the campaign of how they got the vote to turn. Right. And what's really interesting about it is it's all the same shit that was used in Trump's 2016. And what I really thought was interesting was it paints, by watching it happen almost exactly the same way, using, they used Cambridge Analytica. I mean, using the yeah. same technology, it gives you a really deep understanding of, of how things happened, how things went so wrong here. And you understand what was going on and what people were thinking when they did it. And I, like I said, in Benedict Cumberbatch is, I think he's excellent. I he think he's, amazing. I think he's yeah. excellent in everything. Yeah. It's a really excellent movie. Um, and it's fascinating. You know, it really, it, what, the thing about it is if there's anything is if you, if you're of the type where you look at the, 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 the Trump election and say that anybody that voted for Donald Trump is just a racist piece of shit, you're really missing the bag. You're missing the big picture. For yeah. the same reason that if you go, oh, anybody that voted for uh, Britain to leave the, the EU, they're just racist piece of shits and it's all about, no, no, no. This is more complicated. This is a lot more, I mean, his campaign, and I didn't realize this, but the campaign started with him just going through, literally going through pubs and talking to people yeah. about why they would want to either stay, just not, not like data driven, but just talking to people. Mm-hmm. And as he, he get, and it's a great moment in the movie where he, he's like, leave the EU and then take control. Mm-hmm. And then one night he's reading something and he gets this epiphany and comes back and like inserts the word back mm-hmm. because take back control implies that you had it to begin with. Nobody likes to lose control. Really tapping into yeah. uh, a certain nationalistic instinct of ownership that was probably never there to begin with. And he even says, it doesn't matter if they ever had control. Yeah. The idea that they they might have or they felt like they did, this 
this explains Make America Great Again in a way that I had not really thought about Mm -hmm. and how that resonated with so much of our population. So I highly recommend it. Brexit, the uncivil war, really worth watching. And that's the podcast. Rock and roll. Enjoy Las Vegas. You bet your ass I will. Enjoy Chicago. I'll I'll do my best. Yeah, yeah. We'll get you out to Vegas eventually. This has been the Literate Apecast. You can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and on literateape.com slash podcasts. For more information about Literate Ape, go to literateape.com and check out the rest of our podcasts, all of our writing, and our events. Music on the Apecast is courtesy of Mike Vinopal and Locomotive. You can catch them all over Chicago and online at locomotiveband.com. 